So, hey, thanks so much for being here. It's such a pleasure. I feel like it's been ages since we've even had a conversation. Um, uh, you know, over the last like 2022 has been about people slowly going back to being social. And, you know, I don't think we're fully where we were a few years ago, but it's, you know, we're, we're creeping in that direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. Emergence from the crypt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I couldn't think of a better way to put it. So, yeah, let's let's just get right into it. I would love for you to tell all our listeners about who you are. Let's just start with that, like how you got to um, your career path and how you got to uh, become the table hopper. <laughs> well, first, I just want to say thank you so much for this call. And it, it was really funny when you uh, were texting me earlier, it came up Cov uh, wine bar on my phone and it just brought back so many memories of just how many years I've known you and your contribution to San Francisco's wine scene and just what a pioneer you were. Cov uh, was just such a groundbreaking space. So I just want to tip my glass to you first before I dive in. No, thank um, you. Yeah. What year? Now, what year did you open Cov? Not to like interview you, but <laughs> but I'm just, I was trying to go in the Wayback Machine and I was like, yeah. Hey, like, 2005. Yeah. Uh -huh. I was thinking early aughts. Yeah. Yeah. So. It, was, it was 2005 through 2010. We had a good five years and the recession in 2008 kind of killed us Yeah. Um, as it did a lot of small businesses. And you know, it, you didn't have like the payment protection program or anything like that, no. that you had with COVID. So yeah, it was a shame because I know we did and a lot of other really great places went under then. So that was a rough, a rough go, but yeah, yeah, nothing like what we've been dealing with the past two years, but that was definitely a, yeah. a tough, a tough time in the industry. Oh yeah. Let's yeah, talk I about mean, you. Well, we've seen a lot. I mean, I, I'm coming up on 28 years that I've lived here in San Francisco and I, I take that as a great honor to be a San Francisco citizen and someone who is trying to keep the bohemian spirit alive here. Yeah. I've, I've been um, here for 30 years. All right. Yeah. I think we have to drink some, some bubbles to that one. <laughs> I, I think so. Where did you move from? Well, I grew up in the peninsula. Uh, I was a San Mateo girl and um, we moved to the country for a while. We lived in Mariposa right outside of Yosemite, which was sadly the site of a lot of fires recently. Um, I went to school. I went to UCLA. Uh, that's where I went to college and studied abroad my third year, lived in Venice, Italy, which was absolutely life-changing at 19 years old. And um, that's where I learned to speak Italian fluently and, you know, was able to finally say my last name tr truly properly, kidding. Um, and then, yeah, after uh, the Northridge quake in Los Angeles uh, in 94, that uh, I lost my little Hollywood apartment and uh, came back home to get back on my feet and then yeah found my apartment here and it was funny I was in um textbook publishing for a while kind of made my way into like the marketing department there and then I dated a guy here who um he was in, he worked in advertising and he's like you know you'd be really good at an ad agency and he was correct so I kind of was in that ad world for a while which was really fun um and then they realized uh, quickly that I was a frustrated copywriter. <laughs> and um, yeah, I got, let's see. Well, I got laid off in 2000 uh, during that initial dot bomb. And um, I have it on my calendar as Marcillary Liberation Day, which was um, the name of the partnership I had. I had a creative partner. Um, and yeah, we made the freelance thing work for a bit. And then 
yeah, like around 04, I just, I really, I was ready for another shift and I had this idea of, you know, like I, I spent all my money on dining out that's or clubbing back then. <laughs> yeah. That's, and, as many of us did. Oh yeah. You know, like, good times. Um, and, but it was interesting to me that like people weren't back then weren't really covering uh, the city the way I experienced it. And so I started coming up with this idea for a newsletter that you know, would be weekly and would have, you know, new bar news and restaurant openings. And, you know, back then it was just the, the inside scoop with Grace Ann Walden in the Chronicle. And, yeah. you know, there were a few like monthly columns and some of the magazines uh, but yeah, this was like pre-eater. It was when there were a lot of food blogs, but I knew I didn't want to go the food blogging route because I was like, no, a newsletter, you know, it, well, also with my advertising background, I knew that would make more sense to be in people's inboxes instead of just a website. But um, yeah, so Table Hopper is now 16 and, you know, it's always had a good balance of industry people who read it in addition to just folks who really want you know, what's happening, people like this is an eating town. That's what we do. We live to eat and go out. That is our entertainment. Um, and, you know, it's it's gotten a little bit crazy, I think, with I feel like people kind of collect restaurants like it's always like, oh, yeah, I've been there, been there, been there um, and using it more like an Instagram, you know, check in instead of, I think, really um having relationships at some places where, you know, you're a regular or, mm -hmm. um, you know, just not this like collecting of experiences, I think, but perhaps more deepening of them would be, would be great. Um, it's tough to do that with my job though, because I am supposed to go to the new, new spots and have an opinion about it. But, um, but Table Hopper has always been about being a force of positivity um, and to really highlight the places and the people who I think are contributing to solid culinary culture in our city and who take care of their employees or who, you know, are, are doing things that make people happy and benefit our, our local, our local scene and our ethos and our ethics and what it means to be San Franciscan. And uh, it's been great to be independent all these years because, you know, it's it's my rodeo. So, you know, if, <laughs> if I happen to know a chef is a complete jerk, you know, guess what? You're not going to get a lot of ink. So uh, it's it's also I'd say as a writer, it's been a great experience to be able to have my own my own voice and really develop that. And, you know, it's funny, some people who read my column, they're like, I can hear your voice when when I read it, which is great. Um, and it's also been a fun vehicle for me to throw events, uh, which I've been missing the past couple of years, but, uh, yeah, I've done some really fun events with, you know, aperitivo nights and champagne and, you know, Chinese banquets and cognac and crab dinners. And I really can't wait to be able to get people back together again, because we would have these really fun dinners around, you know, big communal dinners, you know, like 12 people at a table, and just really have great experiences. I love people to learn about, you know, aperitif culture or to learn about champagne. And so there's always kind of been a an educational component to my events as well. And of course, people, they leave well-fed. <laughs> um, that's always been kind of a joke with, with Table Hopper. I'd say if you're, it's for people who like to read. <laughs> um, 
And yeah, it's been uh, something I've really missed to the event side of things. I've been trying to figure out how to bring, bring that back. Um, you know, maybe just a bunch of two tops <laughs> on a pad somewhere, but yeah, we're slowly emerging. Um, and then, yeah, like during the pandemic, geez, I mean, a few months in, I had actually, I launched a podcast. It was called on the fly with table hopper. And I was interviewing various chefs and restaurant owners and bartenders and people in the industry to really share their experiences as we've been moving through this horrific event in our lifetimes. And yeah, it was interesting because I realized it was something that as a writer, I was really struggling to keep up with all these stories and these perspectives and things that people were saying. And I realized, I'm like, you know, people need to hear this. They actually, they should hear these stories. And so that's when I was really grateful to have an amazing reader who came forward and volunteered her time to help me. She, Lola, <laughs> the amazing Lola. And she said, you know, Marcia, let me know how I can help you. I love SF restaurants and I want to support any way I can. And uh, so she helped me produce this podcast, which we did like 21 episodes. Um, I would have loved to have continued it, but you know, those things, they take time and uh, I've been on a bit of survival mode as a writer uh, during this time. So I had to put it on, put it on ice for the moment. But yeah, it was a, a powerful way to really be connecting and sharing those stories. It was different for me as a writer to actually, you know, have these live conversations. And it was really interesting too, with, you know, also just with like the Black Lives Matter movement and like how that was impacting the restaurant industry and to be able to hear those stories and um you know there was definitely uh a lot of momentum happening yeah and yeah so but yeah it's been um I have a book I wrote years ago it's a table hoppers guide to dining and drinking in San Francisco I, have I used it. to have a late night yep. dining app bless you I know it's so funny there's still some places open in there I'm so happy thank god <laughs> Yeah, there are I just few. ate at Harris's last night. How about that for an old timer? Oh, wow. Um, I know. Yeah. It was great. Manhattan with the little sidecar. You can't beat it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to be, you know, a keeper of the flame, I think, and to have so many memories and um, know so much backstory about so many places. And so it's always great to get together with someone else who, who shares that, that kind of history here. Well, so as a keeper of the flame, how would you say that the, I mean, we know and we'll get to how over like since 2020 things have like, there's been a lot of change, but let's say kind of, let's go up to that to let's say where we were sort of even like, you know, the early part of the century into like where, well, even before that, because you and I moved here roughly at around the same time. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it's interesting to see like the evolution of restaurants, like when yeah, I remember the early and mid nineties, like fusion, which was mostly like Chinese, like California was the mm -hmm. idea of fusion and how yep. sort of that, the idea of cuisine has changed. How, how do you see that? It, like how it's changed here in San Francisco? Well, I mean, it's interesting. To, it's fun. I have a friend who was a, a server uh, here in the nineties and, you know, like that whole, like cock, the, the intersection of the cocktail life, yeah. you know, in, and the food scene that was really big. Um, the cocktail scene here, you know, and that's why it's been so hard to actually hear about club deluxe potentially closing. Um, you know, that was like such a time and place, like, you know, Bix 
and you know oh my god Elroy's and just you know it was very much um I'd say like more of a, a glam time and you know then we fast forward to I'd say you know the first dot bomb timing and then you know the next wave with the next wave of tech there was just so much more money in the city and that's where we really started seeing you know the sushi you know high-end omakase experiences that really um you know started gaining in popularity and then you know the tasting menu Mm-hmm. I mean, geez, like everywhere, $150, $175, $195, $225. So there's just, you know, kind of that rarefied scene um, for people with financial means. And um, and now, you know, we, on the flip side with, you know, the pandemic, now we're seeing, you know, everything, everyone having some casual offshoots now and fast casual um takeout and delivery alternatives so you know like you look at a a place like birdsong and now they're going to be launching bird box their fried chicken takeout concept um so i mean that's also being driven massively by our issues with staffing right now i mean that's one thing that was so crazy to be in harris's last night i was like wow it was such a staffed restaurant and you know anyone who's been going out lately it's like you see just people so overextended and you know that's why we've got so many so many businesses pivoting to ordering at the counter or trying these different apps that you can order food yourself and uh trying to diminish that um taxing nature of of trying to maintain staff right now um and I've, i've had some pretty pretty wild service lately too you're like, wow, okay. Someone's been on the floor for maybe three days. You know, good luck. <laughs> yeah, about, um, yeah. Yeah. But it's, I don't um, go out that much anymore. Uh, you know, and there are a lot of reasons. One is because actually I'm a vegan. So there's, I just find that there's not that many places that are really that, honestly, that vegan friendly, mm. uh, which I guess. It's changing. Well, so this, this, this is actually leading me to another question, which is San Francisco was in the 90s. And I'd say up until maybe 10 years ago, it was in a lot of ways like the food capital of, of the United States. I mean, people, yes, there was a lot always happening in New York, but people came to San Francisco to eat. I don't think that's as true anymore. I think that there is, you know, it definitely when you hear about like, you know, with the food scene and where there's groundbreaking stuff happening. I hear about LA all the time. And I'll tell you from a wine perspective, yeah. especially natural wine, there's way more happening in LA than up here. I mean, there's starting Definitely. to be more stuff. And, and it's not to say I love Los Angeles, <laughs> but I'm just, but I do think that from a, like a wine and food perspective, I think there's more happening in LA now than there is here. And that's been, it's been the case for a few years. Like the, the scene in LA is, has been so vibrant and creative. And I do think part of the problem is because the cost of running a business here is so expensive and so risky. And really, you know, if you don't have investors, People can be afraid of, you know, taking some of those chances with a business mm-hmm. or, you know, trying a really unique decor and some, you know, a concept that maybe some people won't exactly get, but will want to try. And so I think, you know, there's a risk management factor that uh, it makes some of our places safer here. And 
you know, also like, I mean, my God, you know, like, okay, so Cal Italian, like that really picked up, you know, so much steam here. You think about what, 10 years ago. Um, and just every single chef was staging in Italy and learning how to mm-hmm. make, yeah. you know, stuffed pasta by hand. And so we've had so much saturation of um, that Cal Italian experience, but guess what? People here, they love it. And it's approachable, it's seasonal. Um, and th- then the next thing with pizza, I mean, wow, <laughs> it is it is dense around the city. And yes, there are definitely some differentiations with it. Um, but yeah, it's it's been, um, you know, I'll be honest, like right before the pandemic, I I was less interested in my job, totally. I just felt like so many restaurants were really out of reach, really expensive. Um, and yeah, just n- not popping with some of that exciting like flavor and creativity and things that I think we saw more of uh, like 10 years ago. But there are some pockets of, uh, I'd say, like some really interesting and fun uh, menus. I mean, oh, my God, anchovy bar. Like, <laughs> I wish I could just eat there all the time. And um, I'm super excited to be going back to Ernest, which like that's they have one tasting menu there that i think is great it's 95 bucks and it's just like let the chef feed you and let me tell you he crushes you with deliciousness um so i do think like you know there's you know you look at san juan as well Corey lee's uh korean barbecue place so i there there is some percolating um you know just extreme deliciousness that that we're beginning to see but you know then like suddenly when you start seeing like I don't know, some steakhouses and <laughs> uh, just some safe concepts that people are leaning on. And then, you know, but then you look at one thing and you as a, a wine lover, I, think I love this current explosion of awesome wine bars we have in the city. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's it, great. No, I, it, it's, it is really cool and nice. And there's so much more natural wine, you know, not even just in wine bars. I mean, yes, there are still plenty of places I go to where and I look at the wine list and I'm like, this is, this wine list is BS, right? Yeah. Uh, and what upsets me the most is when I go to places where like the food is really good and the wine list is just sucks. And it makes me think like, why don't you, and, and all, and, and even more so when there is a big issue that's made of, oh, we have, we only, you know, source like local organic produce. And then there's like a bunch of wines that are like riddle that are farm using Roundup. And I just think, it makes right? me not want to, I don't need it. It's like, I'm not coming back to this place. If you're not going to get it, then I'm not going to spend my money here. Yeah. Uh, you know, as I said, another thing that was that I generally, I don't eat out that much anymore because it's as a vegan, it's really hard to find places that have like, that really care about offering plant-based food. And uh, like, it's not just that there are more vegans. There are a lot of people who are just eating a lot more plant-based foods for a yeah. whole variety of reasons. And I see some restaurants that to me at this point, they're just dinosaurs because they don't change their menu. Yeah. They're basically, you know, they, they're resting on their laurels and their menu and their wine list is the same as it was 15 years ago. And I just think like, wow, uh, what, like you're in San Francisco. Yeah. What are you like, this is just embarrassing. Uh, but I would love to see not only those places like get, get with the times, but I would love to see more restaurateurs and, and chefs just also realize like, Hey, we, 
no one says you need to have an, an entire menu that's plant-based, but at least like have a decent selection of food for, for people who, who are. Uh, I mean, yes, I don't expect to go to a steakhouse, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to Harris's for a vegan no, dinner, no, right? Yeah. I, and yeah, and I that and even makes sense. But yeah, but like when you yeah. go, okay, so one place that I love, and also he is a good friend, you know, full disclosure, but um Rob Lamb's restaurant Lily on Clement Street at like fourth, I believe. Uh, that place, his Vietnamese freestyle menu is so exciting to me. And he is always pushing and always developing new dishes and uh, you know, I'm just happy to see how they've really embraced it on their menu with, you know, notations of what's gluten-free, what's vegan. And obviously with Vietnamese food, you can, you're in a good spot, yeah. you know, already, I think, um, to find some really delicious vegan options. And I'm curious about the new uh, fast casual place that just opened in Hayes Valley, uh, Rad Radish from Adriano Paganini's Back of the House group. Mm -hmm. Uh, they have wild seed on right um, yeah yeah in cow hollow so this is their like fast casual offshoot and yeah it's kind of like a global menu with you know different bowls and sandwiches and things but you know they've got like oat milk soft serve which i'm like right on and oh, wow that yeah great. um and they've got some uh different kind of adaptogen sodas and you know i, I like seeing some innovation with non-alcoholic options as well um for sure yeah, I, yeah. you know but I, I like, you know, I do wonder, like, why don't we have something almost like an Otolenghi style, um, just like fantastic plant-based restaurant here that, um, you know, really delivers more on, you know, some nice atmosphere. And like you said, with real like quality dialed in wine list and, um, and I see little glimmers of people trying things here and there, but yeah, I think, I think uh, SF could really could really shine in in that department yeah um but no, it was no. kind of interesting to, to go to the suvla um dog patch opening um i went to a little preview on sunday evening and you know they're launching this whole uh wine list with greek wine list and um small plates that they're serving outside of just their usual menu with the the salads and you know they've been working with um some different alternative meat companies like they have um there's this company called black sheep that they've developed a lamb that is vegan and it's they use it in like a meatball so it's interesting like you see these you know innovative products making their way onto menus um and restaurants giving them a try and embracing them kind of beyond just impossible you know yeah um and, you know, not everything needs to be a facsimile of meat. Like, that's what drives me crazy. I'm just like, wow, we have such gorgeous vegetables. Let's do nice things to them. <laughs> I'm, I am with you all the way on that. I'm actually not a huge fan of plant-based meats. I've tried a few of them. And I mean, granted, since I had COVID, my taste buds have really been affected. Uh, mm. I mean, I'm still dealing with it. So that's kind of made it worse where I, I don't even bother with it. I haven't been bothering with it at all. all. Uh, I, I could handle like veggie burgers that are not trying to be plant-based yeah. like, or to taste like meat. Exactly. Uh, but are just like made with, you know, maybe some tasty beans or sweet potato or, you know, just a tasty alternative to meat. Like I, I'm always happier to see that. It was interesting. I actually, um, it, this is coming up soon. I, it, here's a sneak peek, but I 
recently did a guide of um, 25 vegan restaurants in Oakland. Oh, wait a second. I want to hear about this, but we need to take a break. So can we put that on pause? Oh, yeah. We'll we'll put put a little bookmark on that. Okay. Okay, uh, so we are back here at KXSF LP San Francisco. This is DJ Pamela Louie, and you're listening to Fifth Wave Radio. And I am having a, a really wonderful uh, conversation with Marcia Gal- Galliardi, the table hopper. And we were just talking about how uh, you did a, you're writing about vegan food in Oakland. So Please take it away. I want to hear about this. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's going to be coming out on the Visit Oakland website. And I have to tell you, it was such, this is why I love my job because I get to go on these culinary adventures or, you know, go check out a new neighborhood or whatever it may be. And so to have the opportunity to visit 25 restaurants in Oakland um, and really seeing, you know, what was happening with their vegan scene. And I had some amazing uh, experiences. I mean, it was like the creativity of some of these dishes and what some people were doing was awesome. And uh, like one thing that kind of um, like really, just, I was like, wow, I, had, I came with a few friends um, to the Louisiana Creole um, Solely Vegan uh, with uh, Tamara Dyson, who's the chef owner there. And she's incredible. Like, she developed a, a vegan hot link and I was like, wow. I mean, just what an awesome product, actually. The food was so good. Um, and there was also, I remember having um, some pizza at, oh geez, it was bare knuckle. And they have a Neapolitan pizza that they use this, you know, faux mozzarella, but it's from, um, uh, the local vegan deli, the butcher's son, they make it for him. Mm-hmm. And it was phenomenal. I was like, this is a killer Neapolitan pizza. And then another one that really I thought was like just next level was um this little taqueria, La Venganza. And you know, it's like this little liquor store with a kitchen attached to it. And uh the chef owner there, like he's crushing it. Like he does plant-based carnitas uh that he marinates it it's like a soy um it's almost like a a yuba uh, the soy skin and so it has like a little bit of that fatty richness to it but he marinates it in this smoky citrus brine that was phenomenal um so he's doing some tacos and burritos with that um so yeah it's so funny to me to think like wow okay so oakland is crushing it on the vegan game oakland's just crushing it yeah just straight up like if you want to know what's happening in San Francisco, go to Oakland. Go to Oakland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but one more that I, I just like, I crave it all the time is Lion Dance Cafe. Have you mm. eaten there? I haven't. No. Okay. Just beeline over. They're doing some super creative Chinese, Singaporean dishes. Um, really well known for their Xiaobing sandwiches that are just going to blow your mind. And they kind of rotate with different fillings, but then they 
yeah, they just they'll they have their menu change up every every day, and they've got a, a new little parklet they put up outside, and the food is just flavor packed. And yeah, you're not like oh, you know, this is like fake meat or whatever. Like it's just they're using vegetables and beautiful ingredients, and it's just full on. So, um, yeah, and I guess and also like you see some some like burger um like there's one i love they, they win for the best name uh don't be chicken <laughs> it started as a food truck and then now she's doing you know kind of the fried chicken sandwich or like nashville hot chicken sandwiches and she just got her brick and mortar which i was really happy to see um so yeah there's so it is uh it is crack a in in oakland um oh. and that vegan trail should be coming out on visit oakland um i'm hoping by the end of the month i think so i'll be posting it in table hopper great um so yeah um, i look forward to reading it just want to remind uh it's as it is three o'clock uh, or 301 just wanted to remind all the who are tuning in right now you are listening to kxsf lp san francisco and this is fifth wave radio i'm dj pamela louis and our guest today is marcia galliardi who is table hopper the writer i guess not just writer but uh the brainchild behind the um what i think is san francisco's premier wine food restaurant column so thank you i'm i'm yeah i'm so excited to have you here and i'm so excited that you're excited about vegan food i cannot wait to read this column so you said it's coming out yeah it'll be posted on the visit oakland site uh it's due to post at the end of august but i will definitely link to it in my uh table hopper column which you can subscribe to at tablehopper.com and it comes out every other week and i have you know new restaurant openings uh also fun you know events culinary events wine events and you know sadly also been having to report on way too many closings the past two years um I was saying to a friend, I, there was one point I'm like, I feel like I've become an obituary writer. Like it was just, it was really hard like a it, year yeah, ago. Um, it is. Yeah. Especially when you've seen businesses, like, you know, there are people that you meet along the way and that, you know, there are people who come to me to tell me their, their business plan, or, you know, I find out from their ABC license that they're moving into a, a location and I'd be like, Hey, let's talk about it. And so you know, their businesses I remember before they even open. And then to see, especially first time business owners or people who leave tech or, you know, really want to like follow their passion of family recipes or, um, you know, their heritage. And those stories are so poignant and heartfelt. And then just to see how so many got crushed during the pandemic, it was really, it was rough. Um, And, you know, I'm grateful there was, you know, PPP in the limited funds of the RRF that went out there, but there were just so many businesses who did not tap into that. And um, yeah, it was a really, uh, it's been a rough shakeup. Um, yeah. I, you know, but I've, I've also been heartened by some good landlord stories that I've heard out there because so often it's <laughs> the, the bad landlord, but um, I've been really happy to hear some positive stories about landlords trying to, you know, work with their tenants and look at looking at the long term um mm. and what it takes to have a, a healthy city and I mean it was nuts I was just walking down hate street yesterday and wow I mean it's just it's like it's like the way North Beach is percolating again and picking back up but you know a few years ago like North Beach was just like empty storefront empty storefront empty storefront and 
yeah, Hate Street has has been is a neighborhood that just really needs some revitalization. Yeah, um, no, I've I've noticed that. I've walked been I've walked up and down Hape, both lower and upper, yeah. recently, and you know you see, and it's not just that. I mean, it's also on Valencia. It seems like Valencia things are starting to pick up a little bit too. Mm-hmm. But I know I also hear what rents are going for, and I just think like, how are people affording this? I know. I mean, it's just it's insane. Like, I mean, anyone in the restaurant industry right now, any like these businesses I'm writing about every week that are opening, I'm like, wow. I mean, the hope springs eternal because when you hear about, I mean, you just look at the numbers and how much inflation is impacting the cost of doing business, and then you add in rent and no staff. And like, it's just, it is so tough to even come close to, you know, 4%, yeah. 5%. Yeah. I, like, how, you know, how can, how can you survive? Um, which is why, you know, I think people need to really understand when you're looking at the cost of, you know, these appetizers for $22. I mean, it's, nobody's nobody's getting rich right now really i mean there are a few people who are making some money but you know time and again i just i just i'm hearing about the intense struggle and you know servers are exhausted they're so so done and i yeah i mean i i personally have been um i put the kibosh on delivery a long time ago for myself um it's something that I have to be like extremely hungover, <laughs> like incapacitated or, you know, with like when I got COVID, it finally got me. Miss Rona, she she came for me in April and I was like, OK, you know, this is the time to order the turtle tower chicken pho. <laughs> but you know, nobody wants to see me. So just leave it at the door. But yeah, I think, you know, delivery has just really impacted the way we dine in the city um the demand for convenience here and yeah it's it's a shame but then i look you know the flip side is i look at you know like these wine bars that are happening like there's buddy in the mission that i just love it's like it's just like a fun it's such a fun vibe and just seeing people hanging out and coming together and i was at 20 spot last week um chef alejandro who used to be the cdc at nopa is now uh running the kitchen there with his wife marcella and they are crushing it. And it was just like Bodie, the owner of 20 Spot, has just created such a fun, it's like a it's it's kind of like the living room for the for that part of the mission, you know, off yeah. of 20. So and, we need to take a break. I'm sorry, Mercy. We need yeah. to take a break right now. Okay, we'll be back Hit in it. just a minute. <laughs>
And we are back here with Fifth Wave Radio, and our guest today is Marcia Galliardi, the table hopper. And we're talking about how San Francisco's restaurant scene and is, is slowly uh, getting revitalized. And I've got one thing that I've noticed is that, at least on the wine side of it, is that what's come out of, of let's say, to the not come out of the pandemic because we're still in it, but sort of the, you know, the most, the dog days of the pandemic when it was, we really did need to socially isolate um, is that there are so many more women, people of color, people who are queer, who are now in the wine scene, uh, especially the natural wine scene. And I think it's making such a huge difference. I was having a discussion last night with, a few people about this who are, you know, in, in this industry. And it's just the atmosphere is really different. Like, I, I feel like it's just so much more inviting. There are places that I like want to go to now. Uh, I don't feel like if I want to drink natural wine, I basically just need to go and get a bottle and sit in my backyard with my friends uh, because yeah. I don't, because I don't, because I just don't want to support the broiness. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, but I think it's not just the natural wine scene. I think it's that's it's happening in general. And again, I hate to say this, but like I look a lot to like what's going on in Oakland and yeah. like all the great places there or not all, but a lot of the great places that are have opened up are, have been are like queer, like friends and family, which I, I think friends and family is the best thing that's opened up in the Bay Area in years. Uh, yeah, or, or, you know, or people of color. And yeah. I think like, wow, this is amazing. Uh, and I do. Yeah, I, I wonder if, you know, how much the events that happened, like starting in 2020, both with COVID, but then also with sort of the uh, the social justice reckoning that yes. happened in this country. And I think that while a lot of it is, you know, being forgotten in some ways, I, I still think at least in the Bay Area, it, things have really changed. I agree. And, you know, and also within food media, too, and yeah. really seeing the voices who are doing the reporting, the stories that are being told, you know, it's something I mean, I will say this with my my perspective with Table Hopper, you know, being a woman, I have always been a great supporter of women in the industry and any, um, you know, female owned queer owned people of color owned businesses i've always been secretly or not so secretly rooting for them and wanting to be uh, a signal booster for those businesses in particular and um and yes there are some really you know great talented kind uh white bro businesses out there but that's that's not uh, my preferred promotional story that i want to tell and um it's been great to just see more, more visibility in the city. Um, I will say like, yeah, like I had a great experience at uh, Hilda and Jesse uh, in North beach. Um, you would dig Hilda and Jesse a lot. I like, I know you would love it because one thing I did, I, so I did, they have on Monday evenings, they have, you know, this chef adventure menu. And, you know, I just love the idea of going in. It's, you know, it's like omakase. You're like, just, just cook for me, hit it, you know? like and that place is a, it feels like a party you have just so many beautiful um little vintage dishes and um the flavor is like it's super freestyle really fun it, the food just smacks and when it comes to the pairings i mean you get everything from you know like buckwheat 
you know, kombucha to sakes to, you know, some pet nats. And I kept noticing again and again that they were noting, you know, about the producers, you know, female owned, queer owned, like BIPOC, like these were, their curation was so apparent um, with, with their pairings. And I was like, this is fantastic. Um, and yeah, those are the stories we, we need to be hearing more of and seeing and supporting. Um, and certainly, you know, we see this in the pop-up space, which I will say has been one uh, really exciting thing for me to, to see that kind of come back again. Because remember, like when we had pop-ups the first time, you know, like 10 years ago, and that was where we really saw this, this creativity and, you know, chefs being able to try out their dishes and their their concepts and building a following and a community you know when a restaurant would be closed on a monday evening and then eventually you know they could help they could help them find a space or find investors or whatever that path is that they follow or now you know with a lot of crowdfunding and it's um it's really important to maintain um that support you know for these businesses that really they need it. Uh, they need their stories told. And, you know, I love seeing the progression of like pop-up to truck to brick and mortar. Um, there's one right now, um, El Ultimo Baile. And my friend Charles Chen, who's behind uh, Basku Cheesecakes, those crazy delicious cheesecakes, he brought me to this taco truck in, in Oakland. And I mean, these were some of the most phenomenal tacos I've had. And it's great because right now, you know, he's got a GoFundMe going for, um, it was the former Nyumbai space in uh, Fruitvale. And I'm like, yes, like this guy, like we need to make sure this happens. Like he, he, he needs, <laughs> we need the tacos. <laughs> we need his tacos. Um, and, you know, there's also like um, Bertle, which has been popping up uh, from uh, Jeff Davis. He was the chef at uh, True Laurel, and then he was also at Penny Roma. Uh, he was the CDC there, and now you know he's following his his dream. And you know, it's he's been popping up both in the city and uh, in the East Bay. And then you know our beloved Sarah Kiernan with uh, Holder's House now in Oakland, uh, previously of Miss Ollie's, and they're just doing a real. Um, low-key kind of service in Oakland, but, you know, show me better, better fried chicken. <laughs> like just the, the absolute gold standard. And, um, but yeah, like after all of the hassles of running, you know, Miss Ollie's and trying and staffing and trying to keep everybody healthy and safe and, um, and just, but still wanting to feed the people. And, you know, now Sarah's doing it on her terms and you know when the food runs out then that's it for the day and um so yeah i think you know oakland definitely has this beat and it was something that when i lived in new york like gosh i guess it was six years ago it was so exhilarating to just be surrounded in so much diversity every day and it reminded me of you know the way sf was more so you know even 15 years ago and it was something that was very compelling uh, when I was doing uh, my on the fly podcast and some of these interviews I had, you know, particularly with Jay Foster um, and, you know, getting hit as a fellow SFOG and just his perspective on the city and, you know, having to close one of our last 
soul food restaurants in the city and like everything that that meant yeah um, so yeah i um one spot that's super inspiring to me is the the la cocina uh, municipal marketplace down at golden gate and hyde mm -hmm. and you know it's the first female-led food hall it's incredible all of these amazing amazing businesses and uh, so I try to encourage people to head down there. They're opening a parklet at the end of the month as well. So you can pop in there and, you know, pick up some of uh, so, some fried chicken. You can get some amazing Senegalese sandwiches. And I mean, it's just, it's, that's an amazing, amazing location uh, for some culinary adventuring. Um, yeah, th there definitely is more thing things that I think are starting more stuff are is starting to happen in San Francisco too. I said I think we're definitely behind Oakland, but I, I am starting to see where things are changing a little bit here in the city. I think there are enough people who've been here long enough or who grew up here and are like, wait a second, like let's take our city back and are doing some really cool, interesting things. So I, I think in the next couple of years, hopefully we'll start to see a reemergence of uh like cutting edge creativity in the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't think we're there now of, of you know, of everything that I've been reading, but I, I think that just from what I'm hearing, you know, the rumblings is that there, are, there's a group of people who are, you know, a year or two away from actually making things happen. Yeah. But so a few years ago, five years ago, we, one thing that kind of shook a lot of industries was me too. And I think so many of us were thinking when it happened, like when is this going to hit the restaurant scene? And it kind of did. Hit, it did hit the restaurant scene, uh, and it, but I'm I I kind of feel now that like it, there's been a little bit of a backlash in a lot of ways to that. And I don't know if if you what you're seeing. Uh, yes, there are more places that have opened that are that are like women owned, owned by people who identify as queer. Uh, so it's it's not like every you know the majority of places are owned by by men uh but that i still think that there is an undercurrent of sexism in the industry that that's been there forever uh and i was just wondering what your opinion is on that and if if you still really kind of see it out there and how you and if you think that maybe it is gonna it is starting to change I mean, yeah, the Me Too moment was definitely like, I think a lot of us were just kind of sitting there holding our breath, wondering, you know, which stories are going to come out about who and the, the bad players that we've known for a long time. Right. The I jerks that you, the chef jerks that you talked about earlier. Yeah. And, you know, it's, some of them I'm like, wow, they, they must have, they must have a lot of hush money or something going on. Cause I'm like, how did that guy's dirty laundry not come out? But but then I also get so disappointed when you think about the stories that were told. And then it's crazy to me that people just, they just kind of forget. And mm -hmm. then, you know, I'll go buy a cafe or a place. I'm like, I mean, I have my own personal, um, let's see, I can't say that on air, but uh, my um, rhymes with hit list. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, but not, yeah. But it's like, there are certain businesses that I just, it's a no go. Like you do not get any of my money. I will not promote you because I know how you treat your staff or, you know, things you've done that were abusive or racist or homophobic. And um, sadly, sorry for the sirens there. We're having an interview here. Um, 
so I think some people like ultimately they still want to be able to go to that venue or have that bread or whatever it is. And they, so they go, um, I guess because I'm a, I'm a Scorpio and that's Southern Italian, half Southern Italians. So I've got a long memory. Um, but I think, you know, some kitchens definitely that needed some, some HR, uh, support and some, um, some rules, they changed um during the me too moment and uh there were some some adjustments made and i think also yeah just it wasn't so much of like oh well that's just kitchen culture it's like no actually that attitude can get you fired and so i think the repercussions of you know some bad behavior definitely came more to light and people felt supported finally in having their voices heard in these stories and in these, these outings. Um, so I'm really grateful for the bravery of everyone who came forward, especially during that time. And, you know, it just shows like a lot of restaurants are pirate ships. They really are. And there's a culture that has been needed to be dismantled and undercut and put on, you know, Call, call animal control. Um, and unfortunately, you know, some of those places still persist, you know, the, the whole angry chef uh, French brigade system. Uh, but then, you know, you look at other folks and people trying different models. Um, certainly, I, there were a few interviews that I did about kind of the cooperative model that is percolating a bit. Um, or, you know, you look at people who have been um, oh, just, you know, admonished for how they were running their businesses and then being very verbal about changes they've made um, and making sure that all voices are are heard uh, among their employees. So, you know, I, I still think we've got definitely a long way to go, but it's just sad because I, I have, you know, for example, I have a friend who he's a cook and it's just crazy. He's, he's queer. And the stories I hear of just bro chefs trying to grind him down and make fun of him. And it, like, it, it's, it's hideous. And, you know, he ends up having to leave those places because it's just toxic. Um, and certainly with, you know, the way many, you know, queer folks and women have had to carry themselves to, to survive that environment. So I'm grateful there are more places um, trying to make, you know, have a healthier environment and certainly, you know, I feel like a lot of women owned restaurants tend to have a cleaner house in that way. Um, but it's, yeah, the restaurant culture. I don't know. Like, you, did you watch the bear? I was just going to uh, ask you if you watched the yeah, bear. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen I all mean, of it. I've seen a couple of episodes. Yeah. I mean, I, I had to parse that one out because it was so intense. I, I Especially um, if, if you work in this era, in this field, oh, it, yeah. it is kind of hard to, it's not, it's not something that I'm going to binge. No, no. Yeah. It brought up a lot of PTSD for many, many industry folks. I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But it was an interesting angle. I thought that they, you know, they did show, there were many different stories being told in that show and the way it feels when you are treated with disrespect or, you know, when the pressure is so hot and how you don't behave well and really showing the the ramifications of that and how it doesn't feel good for anybody. And 
I think there were a lot of, um, you know, ultimately kind of uplifting messages in it being shown of like the importance of a diverse kitchen and, and respect. And so, yeah, I thought that show was pretty, pretty spot on with some of the issues uh, instead of glorifying, you know, the, the total hothead male kitchen culture and yeah, add in some Chicago bro attitude and, yeah. <laughs> you know, and at an Italian beef shop. I mean, what, what more do you need? So, um, so yeah, I think it's important for us to continue to hear, um, of alternative structures and and people who are not tolerating you know bad behavior in their in their kitchens or you know from their coworkers. so uh, i think there's more empowerment that has happened but there are still you know certainly like really toxic places around the city and hopefully hopefully people don't get caught up in that yeah well so let's see we just have a few minutes left here so we since we already discussed the bear Let's, I, what do you see as being, if you have your like crystal ball, what food trends do you see happening in San Francisco or let's just say the Bay Area in general over the next like two to five years? Well, I mean, we did touch a little bit on the, the vegan thing and mm-hmm. I do I do see a next level of, of vegan cuisine and plant-based food. Um, you know, certainly I would love to see um also just more like israeli and you know middle eastern um places that are you know really like i i seriously have my my otolenghi like dreams here <laughs> by the way have um, you been to kitchen istanbul I mean, of course you have you've been everywhere uh, oh yeah and that's like i mean that has to be your sweet spot with with their wine list there oh, oh yeah God. no it's i, lo- I love their it's great and there's lots of yeah. for me to eat there uh, I'm also a big fan of Beit Rima, but which is closer I was just to gonna my ask. Yeah. It's another one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think as someone who loves, I, you know, I've been fortunate to be traveling to Greece a fair amount. And I still think, you know, there's room for some Greek, you know, not like on the Suvla fine casual right. and not all the way on the Ornos fine dining or Kokari. Like, I just want some really good kind of mid level uh, Greek uh, restaurants here. And like, and Puerto Rican, like, come on. Oh, yeah. I, or that was funny. It was so fun being in New York with, you know, the Cubanos and the Dominicans. And like, you know, I just, I think there's room for much more uh, diversity. And, you know, it's interesting to me. I think, you know, I like, I was happy with seeing, you know, the elevation of Chinese fine dining experiences. I think it's fantastic. Like when I've traveled in Hong Kong, like those are some of the most amazing meals I've had. So um, I think, you know, like China Live and Eight Tables and, you know, the Empress, I am happy to see that and I, w- I want more. Yeah. Um, what about like, like really- what about African cuisine? You know, and, which, and I know that's it's a huge continent and there's a wide variety of cuisines, but, you know, like, we think of Ethiopian cuisine, right? And I know there are, I think, one or two Ethiopian restaurants in the city. But it seems to me like there's a real, yeah, right now, no, a dearth. Completely. Of, yeah. And, you know, that's why I have to go to Oakland, you know, yeah. to find some, like, Senegalese. And uh, so that's something that is it's a huge untapped culinary scene that, um, yeah, we need we need more. Um and, you know, I, I've been happy to see like little glimmers of, you know, some Cambodian and Laotian, but 
I, I'm all on the hunt or even like more regional Chinese cuisines too. Cause like we have so much Cantonese here and some Sichuan. Uh, but I'm like always really happy when it's like, oh, wow. Like here's a restaurant with, you know, a, a Beijing a chef from Beijing or yeah, I think like, yeah, the whole Chinese regional would be, would be great. Um, some deeper dives on that. And you know, I am interested in this the, kind of this wine bar movement because I think it's kind of like become our new third place, mm-hmm. um, you know, instead of our cafe culture. Like now, you know, people are really trying to learn more about wine and the way they come together. Um, so I'm happy to see that. And yeah, I'd be <laughs> I'd be happy with a little less Italian, <laughs> says the girl with all the vowels in her last name. But and yeah, it's... um. And I still remain on the hunt for like my dream little French bistro that's just like not going to take all my money. We used to have more of those in the 90s. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's funny. Um, and it's like Spanish food to me too. It's like, okay, like we don't, people don't really understand tapas here. And like, no, they don't want to stand around. And like everyone tries to do that, that concept um it's like no people want to sit <laughs> yeah they're just some yeah. things you can't recreate like some things just have to stay in their their native little habitat but um I am you know I just I just I want to see you know just more people like really cooking from the heart I mean we are so blessed with the incredible Mexican restaurants that we have here but I think you know regional Mexican as well um, you know, we're lucky we've got some great Yucatecan restaurants and we, I want to see more Oaxacan. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say it's more branching out would be, would be great. Um, yeah, it was really sad when Kala closed, um, those guisados that she was doing, yeah. those, those are great, but yeah, I just say everyone just needs to look for the small businesses and the dreams that people have and show up for them and support them. You know, anyone who's telling stories from their home and their heritage and their family, those are, that's, that's the best tasting food. So we need well, to, we need to turn up for them. Well, I, I agree with you, you know, that I think that it's, that is where it's at. And if, for those of you who are listening, you could find out about so many of these places uh, through the table hopper. Uh, Marcia, what is the URL for people? If people want yeah, to so check it's it out. Easy. Tablehopper.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at tablehopper. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter, also tablehopper. Um, but I, I do tell people, if you follow me, don't blame me if I get you fat, <laughs> especially on my Instagram. Oh man. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a it's, it's a feedback. <laughs> well, it's been so, such a pleasure to talk with you today. Uh, you know, even though it's been a while, it's it's like still chatting at cop. Uh, so thank you so much thank for being you. here. And I now that with all these restaurants, I feel like I need I need to get out there more and check them out and see who has some vegan dishes for me to try. So um, I'll keep you posted on that. <laughs> please do. And I can't wait for your article to come out. It's going to be in, in visit Oakland. You said. Correct. Okay. Yep. The end of August. Yep. Good. Good. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you so much. Um, thank for, you. And we will talk soon for everyone who's listening in uh, the, for the last hour. I've been in conversation with Marcia Galliardi, who is the, the table hopper.
um, check it out. Just go to tablehopper.com or is the tablehopper.com. Oh, it's just, no, it's just tablehopper. Just, okay. Just go to tablehopper.com yep. or uh, at tablehopper on Instagram. Marcia, thank you so much. Thank and you. Of Chin course. Chin.